Hello everyone, welcome back to the Doghouse Podcast, sponsored by Between the Benches. My name is Jimbo, I'm joined with Connor, JJ and Austin. And if you haven't joined us before, this is a podcast dedicated to covering the worst of the worst teams and really taking a deep dive down into what makes fans of these teams so sad. Um, This week we're going to be covering the NHL playoffs and we're going to be covering teams that's really uh, disappointed uh, this season in the playoffs. You know, they put in all the hard work to make it to the postseason and then they, you know, they come to the, the big show and, you know, they just fall completely flat. So, you know what, boys, let's grab a beer, crack a cold one. And let's do this. So uh, before we get into it, before we get into specific teams, let's let's start out by talking about the playoffs, boys. Like, uh, how do you guys feel about this playoffs? Are you liking it? Is it, is it a good time? I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Uh it's always a great playoffs when uh, the Leafs are out in seven, so <laughs> can't complain there. How about you, boys? I I'm just so confused why they schedule the time between game seven and game eight so long. But you know, once that finally gets wrapped up, I think I'll start to enjoy the playoffs. More. When's game eight? Yeah, when when's is game, game eight? eight? Uh, no, it's been I've I've really enjoyed it. It's always great to have the playoffs back, and now we're starting to see fans back in the stadium, which is. Even though it's not full, it definitely brings life to it. I mean, just look Vegas at Montreal, a, right? True. Like Vegas, exactly. Is, the the atmosphere there is is insane. Like then, that must be a huge advantage for those teams that could do that. So no, it's Didn't it's always good to, help to be Carolina. back. <laughs> Any team that storm surges deserves to lose. I'm just <laughs> saying. <laughs> I don't mind Carolina, but I'm just saying. Actually, I'm not sure if you guys saw the quote because Carolina had their (coughs) exit interviews today. And it was a bit of a disappointing season. And I mean, like, you can't be too upset. Almost everyone in Carolina is under 30. Like, they have this great young core. But Dougie Hamilton straight up came on and just was like, yeah, we lost to a team that's 18 million over the cap. What did you expect from us? And to some extent, like, he's not wrong. Like, (laughs) when you look at that Tampa team, that team is incredible. And we're going to get into this more later in the podcast, talking about can teams win when their star players making so much more money uh, than like other players. Well, if Toronto had 18 million more in cap, would we would we be here right now talking about them losing in the first round? Probably. Toronto's Absolutely. already over not. the cap, though. <laughs> but they're already over. They're like 9 million over. Well, okay, but imagine they spent 18 million more on their depth. Or I guess 9 million only more in this case, but. It'll only be another extra nine million. That kind of helps. Nine only million an extra for their yeah, only an extra nine million, million right? Like that's yeah. like that's huge. What is? Like, I think you can tell there's there's lots of good discussion to have this uh, this year. There's a lot of drama and controversy this postseason. So you know, let's get right into it. I want to start out with the Winnipeg Jets. You know, they went from hero to zero so quick. You know, you sweep you sweep the Oilers, and then you get swept by the Montreal Canadiens. Like no one saw any of those coming. How did that happen, boys? Like. What happened to the Winnipeg Jets? So I was looking a little bit into this, and I guess the writing was really on the wall. Not a lot of us saw this coming because we were like, oh my god, Oilers sweep, Oilers sweep. They got outshot every game in that series. They didn't outshoot the Oilers once. They didn't have possession for more than 50% once in any of those games. That should have just been the first sign that this was not going to work. And it kind of continued in Montreal. They only had one game where they had possession and outshot the Habs. You also got to keep in mind with that stat to back up what Connor's saying. They only ever beat uh, Edmonton by one goal. 
Like they they never blew them out. There was what was it? Two OT losses, three OT loss uh losses for the Oilers. Like it, it was, was two never OT losses. Yeah, it was never a domination by the Jets. They just had a great goalie to you know help out the offense, and they just got a, away with a lot of stuff, and that's how they ran it, and they beat the Oilers, who kind of came into the playoffs lacking. And I I mean I I did say this uh, on the prediction or in one of our prediction videos. I said Chicago figured out a way to shut down McDavid and Drysaddle when all games were in Edmonton. Winnipeg will find a way when only half the games are in Edmonton. And I think this is more on Edmonton. I mean, obviously, when you have players like McDavid and Drysaddle, you want them on the ice as much as possible. But it gets to a point where they're on too much. And I think that last game where they lost, you could see that. Even though Winnipeg's players were gassed as well, I mean, look at Nurse, look at McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. By the end of that game, they could barely skate. I mean, Nurse and, played. Uh, and who like, blames he, he played over sixty minutes, like that one exactly. Game, the final and game he ran. played, and he played really well. Like he played really well, but he could only play in his own end. Darnell Nurse during the end of the game, he couldn't skate. He was exhausted. Where Winnipeg was actually shuffling lines, so I think that played a huge factor in Winnipeg actually beating the Jets, or sorry, beating the Oilers. Where with Montreal, who do you? You're not stopping a McDavid and Drysaddle. You're just trying to stop their whole team, and Winnipeg just couldn't do that. To be fair, though, like the whole oh, well, we figured out a way to stop McDavid. It was just kind of you know take advantage of him. Do you guys know how many penalties McDavid drew in that entire series? Zero. Do you know how many penalties he's drawn in his last three series? Zero, I'm guessing? Yeah, zero. That's ridiculous. Yeah, last Chicago, not a single penalty called against a play against McDavid. So if the whole strategy of stop McDavid is just take 30 infractions against him that will never be called, you know, at what point does the end They'll be called in the regular season. The reg- but who cares? That's, who that's cares? the thing that happens every year, though. It That's always playoff hockey. You know, you're going to hear my Canucks argument now about when Boston beat them. It's the same thing. that It always happens in playoffs. I'm not saying it makes the game better, because I don't think it does. I, I agree with letting them play a little bit. But when it gets to the point where a fourth liner is so valuable now because they can just do whatever they want and not get a call, and the first line players are playing with all these injuries all the time anyway, that's not hockey in my opinion. So I do think that is ruining the game. They do need to make calls in the playoffs. We finally have a player that's as interesting to watch as Wayne Gretzky. And every time you try to sell the sport to new fans, you're like, you got to watch the Oilers. We got a new guy like Gretzky. Unless it's the playoffs, then some fourth liner like Andrew Lowry or Cop are going to just hook him and nothing will happen. Like I think it's definitely killing the sport a bit, but at the same time, you know, Sidney Crosby found a way to get around it, and there's no excuses for Edmonton in this, you know, ending. So, there is no excuses, but I was just going to say, going back to, like, Winnipeg and what made the differences in their series, I think goaltending plays a big part in both cases, both their goalies for and their goaltending, or who they had to face against. Against Edmonton, they had to face Mike Smith, who has been great this year, without a doubt, but not amazing. He's not a guy who's going to steal those games for the Oilers. While Hellebuck had like a 937 save percentage, 940 or something like that in that series. He goes and plays Montreal. He's below 910 save percentage. Hellebuck just dropped the ball. And he goes up against the best goalie in the league in Carey Price, just shutting them out. I think that's the big reason why they got dropped. Goaltending. Uh, Mike Smith was, I still thought he was pretty good like in Edmonton, but... um. Damn right. 
<laughs> uh, I think losing Shifley might have hurt as well, Connor. So on the Hellebuck side of things, so what do you think making drop off like that, like against Montreal? I mean, you look at the roster, you don't, you know, you, you compare the forward roster on Edmonton versus forward on Canadians, you're going to pick Edmonton every time, right? For skill wise, at least I mean, in the top line. I think this just shows how reliant the Jets are on Shifley. I mean, they brought in Pierre-Luc Dubois to help out on the second line as a center and eventually, hopefully for them, one day be a first-line center. Well, in that last game, there was times where he was playing fourth-line right wing, third-line on a wing. So he's clearly not the guy that they thought he was, at least not yet, and that killed them, and that showed when Shifley went out. They didn't look like winning. Even when they came back and made it close in that last game, there never really was a moment where you're like, these Jets look dangerous. It's almost they lost like almost everything when Shifley was taken out, which just shows how strong a good center is. Also, how much you need a goal scorer. You know, if they could exactly. get a guy like Patrick Line, maybe they could have scored some more goals. <laughs> but I guess getting a fourth line center for him is pretty good. Sorry, I mean, I guess that's one thing, but like, think about it this too. Edmonton has one line. You can shut down McDavid and Dry out on one line, and that's it. You just need one defensive pair and one forward line to do that. When Montreal just rolls four lines, like they can play anyone. How do you match up against that when you have like a rookie pair defenseman as your third pair? You can't. They're just not going to stand. There's it. no one you shut down on Montreal. Like, oh no, watch out for Joel Edmondson on the blue line. Cole, yeah, Cole Caulfield. And Tyler also, Tuffoli, speaking Perry, of Shifley, I think not Nick only Suzuki. losing Shifley hurt, but Shifley just killing a guy on an empty net, I think fired up the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, that's a good point. That could oh, be absolutely. a really big motivating factor. So let's segue that in, in right into that then. So, you know, what do you guys think of suspension, like four games? Like, I mean, obviously it was going to be suspension, at least my point of view. Like, I know there's a lot of people that don't even think it should be a suspendable play, but um, four games for me seem like a, a lot. And especially for, you know, a, a series-defining moment, right? Like, potentially, so. I think it's a fair suspension in that, you know, obviously they give bigger suspensions for guys who are repeat offenders, but they kind of look at the timing, you know, guy just scored an empty net and you fly on him. You know, it's pretty bad. And I honestly think Shifley could have gotten reduced, but when you come out to the media and you're just totally non-apologetic about it and you're blaming the NHL, like, yeah, you're going to get the four suspension. And then if you ever get suspended again, they're going to bring the hammer down on you. Like, well, I think you should give his head a shake. The decision was made, though. Like, that didn't change anything. Like, no, absolutely. Yeah, but you can, re- the- you can repeal it as suspension, though. Like, every time like, Tom Wilson gets It works so well for Kadri. Kadri doesn't. You got to do it like Tom Wilson. Watch every time Tom Wilson gets a suspension, he always gets it repealed, like, a couple games. Because he goes to the media, and he's all sorry about it, and he talks to the NHL, you know, you made the right decision, and I won't do it again, even though he's going to do it again. You know, you got to be apologetic about it and feel bad about what you did. But, like, you know, Shifley going out to the media and being like, oh, boo-hoo, the NHL shut me down instead of Montreal. You know, it's just a terrible luck. Philippe to know, but... Yeah, it is a terrible thing. Um, go ahead, Connor. Sorry, bud. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that go, ahead. go ahead. Yeah, my, my internet's real bad on my end. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I think actually I would have preferred a series ban, like... The entire series, six games, would have been my ideal one. For, even though he isn't a repeat offender, if you watch that game, he was getting really angry, really chippy, really frustrated throughout the game. The writing was on the wall that something bad was coming to happen. And if you watch that play over and over and over again, 
He stopped skating to line up a hit. He could, even then he could have made a stick with play to stop a goal and then maybe go the other way. No, he just wanted to enter. That that's bad. Like that, there's just no excuse. They this is a prime example of the NHL having to come down. I'm going to take a different approach. Uh, I think the NHL messes up suspensions so much that with Kadri and Shifley, they were like, this almost has to be a makeup call from the league. I do think both of those plays were suspensions. I just want to make sure that's clear. But I think four games was a little long. If you look at Ryan Reeves last year, who murdered Nick Schmaltz in the the pre, pre-playoff games, who never returned, never played a single playoff game, didn't even get a penalty, didn't even get a fine, didn't get anything. What does he do when they play the Canucks? Murders Tyler Mott. Exact same play, exact same hit, totally avoidable. And there was no punishment until the second one. And it wasn't even that bad. He returned pretty quickly. I don't remember exactly how many games it was, but I think the NHL's missed too many this year with Wilson and had to make a statement during the playoffs. I would have given probably two to three games. Wouldn't have made, wouldn't have made big of a difference for Shifley at the end, but uh, that's just my opinion. I think the NHL misses too many calls. And then when something happens and sometimes they just overreact and give too many games. Fair enough. I mean, they did also miss a Reeves one too. They gave Reeves one game for a pretty blatant injury in the very first series against the Wild. And and that's and that's what I mean. There there's clearly favorites. I don't know if it's players or teams. And I could just be going off on this crazy conspiracy talk right now. But it definitely looks that way when you see like like Ryan Reeves, for example, always escaping justice, and then Mark Shifley, a guy who has never been dirty goes and makes a bad play and gets the book thrown at him. And it just looks a little mucky from the outside looking in when you're like, well, how come these goons or these big players who always have played that way aren't getting punished that much? But when, when we go do it, you know, it's, it's always, we always get the book thrown. And I think a lot of fans feel that way with different players like Tom Wilson this year, uh, just going, it's madness that they get away with murder and we can't do anything. Hmm. And I still feel like that, like, even with Shifley out, they still have the firepower to win at least one or two games against Montreal mm-hmm. Canadiens. So, like, what like what happened to the offense? Like, what is it about that offensive structure that they need Shifley in? Like, it's two, two seasons in a row that Shifley's been out of a series and they just haven't performed. But, like, I mean, Kyler Collins is pretty good. Like, he had, like, seven, eight points, I think, in the postseason. Um there's some good firepower there. I'm just not sure what how, what is it about Shifley that makes them all click, and when he he's gone, they just fall apart. Like so, it's a mix of Shifley being an elite player and who's his replacement. Where like when you look at let's just use the Flames for example, if Monahan gets hurt, you can always put uh, uh, Lindholm at center, who's still really good, or you can bring up Backlund, who's made, you know, not as good as uh, Monahan. I know I threw a lot of shade at him in the Flames video, but still a decent center. We're with the Jets, as I was saying earlier, where Pierre-Luc Dubois is playing on the fourth, third line, can't play center. Who's the next center? It's um, Adam Lowry, who is a really good third-line center, but he's not a first-line center. So when they lose Shifley, they basically have no depth to replace him, and then all their lines are just in shambles, not playing well. And if you look at and some yes, of their he- top players, like Ehlers only had three points in six games. He was a minus five, right? Like, I mean, he's one of their best players, and he just... 
I would I think I think he was still hurt. I think he hurt his collarbone because he was hurt, remember, before the season. And it was his first goal back against Edmonton. Uh, you watch it. When he scores, the Jets players go to, like, jump up on him and hug him, and they all stop and just kind of do, like, a pat around. So I think he was playing hurt. Um, I was watching with my girlfriend's dad. He's a huge Jets fan. And he was mentioning we were not really seeing him carry the puck as much as we normally would. And I think that's because they were scared of him getting hit again and being taken out long term. So I think he was definitely playing with an injury. Uh, we'll find out soon enough when all those injuries come out. But hurt Ehlers, missing Shifley, that's a totally different team. So then if you're the general manager of the Winnipeg Jets, you just traded a player who can score 40 goals in his sleep, one of the best goal scorers, for this guy who's supposed to be a number one center. Your top center goes down, and he can't play. And he can't play. What do you do? Uh, I don't know if I would say... Uh... Uh, I don't know if I would say Line A could score 40 goals in his sleep necessarily, but uh, he goes through his ups and downs, so he's no Austin Matthews. <coughs> Line A is <laughs> he has his own one problems. of the best snipers of his generation. He's no Matthews. Matthews is a whole other thing. You know, he's unworldly. But Line A is definitely one of the best players, and to give him up for a guy who quit on his team, stopped trying, didn't tell anyone why he got traded... And then you bring that guy in, and then he just can't put it together. You know, I, I it's mean, definitely a, a bad point. look. And he had three points in the postseason, and even Zero in the games. regular season, he had twenty points in forty-one games. So this guy's supposed to be a, a top. And guy he and he was so. playing with good players who are getting a lot of points. Like he was playing with Ehlers pretty much most of the time, and that line was on fire. But he just he's not there. I mean, when you watch Pierre Luc Dubois play. You don't see that passion. You almost see that quitting like he did in Columbus. And I'm hoping everything's okay with him, and uh, hopefully he can bounce back. But it's just hard to watch when you see a guy who they traded Lane, who's incredible, and he looks like he doesn't even want to be there. I'm like, where do you want to be? <laughs> like, where, Do you want to play anywhere? Oh, man, I it's think this comes down to, to a bigger issue with like a locker room thing. Like... Think about how much like Shifley and other players in the Winnipeg Jets locker room just openly said things in disregard to their coach, right? And then Shifley goes down, the captain, Blake Wheeler, should step up to drive his team, drive his forwards and everything. Nothing. He had one point, I think, the entire playoffs. It was brutal. I think there's a big locker room in, uh, issue there in Winnipeg. Winnipeg is so, one of those teams where like, I would love to see what's going on behind the scenes because no one really pays attention to them. But if you ever watch their interviews, they say the wackest things. And I'm like, how do they get away with saying this? Like, no one watches them. Like Their GM just like straight up came out and said, like, yeah, we traded Line A because we're a big analytics team. And no matter what line you put on, he's analytically terrible, which was totally not true. He was a huge analytical darling in Winnipeg. And, like, the players just come out and, like, insult the coach openly. And I, I just can't believe it every time I watch Winnipeg talk. I think there's definitely Paul a deep Maurice, decision. Uh, returns next season, like, after winning one playoff series? Or I, I'd say likely, but... I think they're pretty loyal to their guys. Uh, Blake Wheeler had five points, by the way. I just double-checked on that. Um, I think they're loyal. I mean, look at... If you just look at the Jets organization, when they get a player that they like or a coach or anything, they stick with them. Uh, I know we're talking about Lanny, but you could always feel that there was some tension there between the, the club and the player. Um, but, like, look at Shifley, look at Wheeler, look at their coach. He's been there how long? <laughs> like, forever. And I think they could easily 
go, oh, it was a COVID year. Shifley got suspended. You know, oh, he shouldn't have been suspended that long. And they'll probably do the same thing next year. Um, hopefully make a signing. I know Stastny's done. So that's six mil off the books. And uh, Perot's done. So that's almost 10 million right there. So I think they could they could give it another shot, try to seduce a free agent, either a second-line center or a defenseman. And they could be a different team next year, just that much better. Yeah, what else do you guys think is like some key additions they need to add in to make this uh, a more contending team? Rasmus Ristolainen. Oh, yeah, honestly, we, we yes. have video honestly, on that one, don't we? Honestly, yeah, they probably, could, yeah. and it would work, because they need that defenseman. He doesn't want to be there. His trade value might not be as high as it once was in Buffalo, just because the, the clock's running out. Honestly, like, at give this point, Buffalo's just the Costco tray, where it's just take what you want. And you'd be a fool to not take that free sample. Grab the, a defenseman. Grab a forward. The issue with Winnipeg is, would they make a trade with Bristow not knowing that he's going to re-sign there? He has a year left on his contract. Um, if they make the playoffs, I guarantee he would re-sign. Yeah, but they would have to get a guarantee, like, hey, if mm-hmm. we trade for you, you're going to sign with us. Because if they, which if they do a big the trade for Risto and he walks, like that's that would just be a, like a huge deal in Winnipeg. Arguably, Winnipeg's top pairs aren't bad, but they needed some veteran leadership on that back end to help those young guys in like the second and third pair. The only oh, yeah, I like Martinez would be great. They have they have good defensemen. I just don't think their depth is this good is enough there. Good enough. Yeah. Same with their forward core. They had uh oh I forgot their names now. I'll, I'll come back to their names. But they're thirty six and thirty five, and you could just see that how much slower they were. Against Nate Montreal's third and fourth line, uh, Nate Thompson. Let, let me. Uh, Stastny was not himself either that playoffs yeah. actually. So I, you know what, I will throw Stastny. Sorry, I was that. looking at ages, not numbers. <laughs> the only issue no, with like okay. bringing in some uh, veterans is Trevor Lewis. Sorry, what veteran wants to retire in Winnipeg? Like Winnipeg faces the same issue that Edmonton faces, that Buffalo Calgary. faces, Calgary. Oh, um, it's cold. It's miserable. It's a smaller city. And so everyone who goes to Winnipeg loves it. Like they say nothing but great things about playing in Winnipeg. They love the organization. The staff are the greatest, they always say. But no one wants to sign there. So I think making a trade for someone, even if it is like a Ristolainen who only has a year left, that's the only way you're going to get guys to come to Winnipeg. And you kind of have to woo them for that one season and hope they stay. And it is sad because they have an incredible fan base one of the most loyal fan bases out there. I mean, they're tiny and they sell out every game and it's just the weather, unfortunately. And I know it's a lot. I know if I was an NHL player and Florida offered me 5 million and Winnipeg offered me 5 million, I'd go to Florida. So I totally understand. It just doesn't have to be that. There's something like Vegas or or a lot of places in the States. And yeah, there's a rough city too. And you know, tax taxes in some of the states yep. down there are, are a huge issue, right? Like are a huge deal, right? Uh, Florida, right, um, and stuff like that. So yeah, no, that's a great point, and that's just a challenge that Canadian teams in general just always have to face. But uh, I do want to segue this off up north into Edmonton. So we kind of touched on this a little bit before. Um, this was kind of unbelievable, though Edmonton to be out in the first round. I know. Uh, <laughs> One person in the chat here had Edmonton going right to the final. Actually, two had them going to the final. One had it winning the Stanley Cup, Boston. Yikes, that was a hot take, and that was a that was a pretty bad take. So, uh, boys, like, what happened to Edmonton? Remember. And the, the the biggest the biggest question here is how uh, how 
was uh, Winnipeg able to shut down like Jesus and dry settle like second year in a row like how like they they were so dominant in the regular season especially against Winnipeg and then they just fell absolutely flat. Well, they had the Andrew Kopp and Adam Lowry line, and they're a great two-way line that just stuck to McDavid and Dreisau and gave them absolutely no room. That's basically it. And to take those guys out for two games, that's huge. Like, you're almost guaranteed the series if you can hold them to just two games with zero points. Right. I mean, it's like I said earlier, if you take 30 infractions on a guy a game and none of them get called, you're going to win pretty easily. And I know, you know saying, like I don't remember seeing anything like that bad. Like I wish I remember was... the username. I don't, but there's a Twitter account. If anyone in the comments remembers the name, put it down. Who he tracks infractions not called in playoff games, and the like. The Winnipeg Edmonton series was like borderline criminal. How high it was, and I understand like oh you know you can't blame the you know the refs, but in this series where every game was decided by one goal. A power play when you have the two best players in the league absolutely makes a difference. Like, one power play in any of those games could have won Edmonton the game and changed and, the tie. And can we talk about depth? I'm sorry, I just I just see this on my <laughs> screen here. And you know who was number three for points? I guess tied for number three in points for the playoffs? Zach Cassian. Zach Cassian. Yes. Like, you you have Drysdale at five points, oh McDavid at four points, and then you have two, 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 one, 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 and then nothing. Like, and and that's what I was saying when I made my prediction on the podcast. I said, if you shut down that one line, they don't have much after. It's not even and, a line, JJ. It's two-thirds of a line because it's two exactly, or three players. Exactly. And like in that last game especially, you'd see Nuge's line go on. And then just like that, they're off the ice again. And you'd see McDavid and Dreisaitl out there. And the Jets would go through two to three lines sometimes. And they'd still be out there. So well, they're not going to be playing their best if they're exhausted every shift. We talked yeah, about just like to add on to oh, sorry, on. just to add on to JJ's point there. Those like McDavid was exhausted during some of those shifts. Twice in like games three and game four, he had a major turnover that directly led to either the game tying goal for the Jets to force overtime, or led to the game winning goal that closed the series. The dude was exhausted. He couldn't do any more. And when you're tired, you make mistakes. You throw the puck away maybe too early or you throw it a bit too far away. You're not thinking correctly. And that shows Edmonton has zero depth. And that's why I didn't have any faith in them against the Jets on the podcast. My fantasy pool was a bit different. That was 100% the difference back here, right? When you're losing by one game and like, you know, so many of them go in overtime, all it takes is one bad turnover, like you're saying, and that's it. You're down, right? So... Yeah, I mean, it also doesn't help that some of those saves in overtime could have been there, but definitely weren't. Mike Smith wasn't bad, though. Like, he was good. He wasn't bad, but, like, there was one costly percentage. On like, honestly, like, when I was watching it, he gave them a chance to win every single game, like, without I, I was so hard on Smith last year when they lost to Chicago. Uh, that, different Smith this year. He looked great. You can't put this on Smith. No, I'm not saying the series is on him. There's just one bad goal that I think it was a game tying goal that was really bad on Smith, but that was about it. Uh, it I think you might everyone. be thinking of the Kyle Connor winner though, where it did go under his arm. Um, but yeah, like when when it's one goal games like that, and you have the best player in the world on your team, that's unexcusable. Like you're, that team should win one game at least. You can't gonna... can't throw that on your goalie playing pretty well and go, oh, we didn't win one game. It's Mike Smith's fault. I'm going to come in with a bit of a hot take here. I don't think it's a depth issue. I think Edmonton had the depth to win this series. 
What I think of it was. Of course you did. You thought they had the death to win the Stanley Cup. <laughs> what I think it was, I think it was a locker room issue. And what I mean by that is you have McDavid, who's having a Wayne Gretzky year. A year in hockey we've never seen. Drysaddle's great. He won the Stan- the Hart Trophy last year. Amazing, right? And then you have all these guys who are like doing really good. Pooley Arvey became this elite four checker and a great player. Yamamoto's blossoming, right? So you have all these guys who are having this great season, and the trade deadline comes, and the general manager comes out and goes, no, nah, this team isn't good enough to win. I'm not going to make any moves. I'm sorry, Austin, but uh, 25 points in 55 games for Pooley Arvey is not an elite season. He's an elite four checker. No, you you watch that man play. He's an elite four checker. He might not he put up the numbers. Smile, I'll give you that. But he figured out how to make his game work in North America, which I to I counter your believe. point there though, like what didn't McDavid have like twelve points on his last five games or something like that? His, his production went up in the like last ten games. But you have your general manager come out when you're having this amazing year and all these guys are you know clicking, and he goes. I'm not going all in. I don't believe in this group. This isn't our year to go all in. We'll just see how we do. And then even the coach, you know, he mimics that. In the playoffs, He, you have these guys who are playing well. And what does he do? He benches them. He's like, we're just going to ride McDavid. We're going to ride Dreisaitl. I mean, and if, if Ethan Bear makes one mistake, he's going to sit for three overtimes. To be fair, like, what do you expect from this team? They didn't and that have, killed them. They didn't have yeah, the cap them. to make, like, any big moves. Like, what would you have done? Like, they didn't have any space. Like they had zero dollars. If Tampa Bay can be eighteen million over the cap, you can. There's when there's a will, there's a way. You can figure out a way. You have the draft picks. Technique. The prospects. There is no cap. Wasn't Tampa though? Isn't that kind of a? uh, Did they kind of use um, uh, what's his name Kucherov's injury and they kind of extended it right to LTIR? Yeah. So I don't think that's not really uh, something. There's always there's always a way you can do. I remember last year Vegas they would have a guy traded fifty percent cap retained to San Jose, and then San Jose would trade it to Vegas with cap retained. So they're only paying the guy like seven hundred k who has like a five million salary. It costs them a lot of picks, but look at where Vegas is now. You know, it, it takes a lot to be a contender, especially when you're at the cap. And when you have a guy having a Gretzky season, you got to be that contender. You can't just come out and go, oh, we're going to stand pat. This isn't our year. You know? Yeah, but I'm going to defend Edmonton's coach here. Like, you're going to overtime in a series clinching game, double overtime, almost triple overtime, I believe. Do you put Caleb Jones and Ethan Bear out there? Absolutely. When, they, the, when, when uh, it was Shifley and Kyle sure Connor are going, like, I, Cuckoo or whoever, like, do you put those guys out there? But or do you go sitting, with guys you know? Yes. Do, but sitting them, sitting them for like I think it was like three or two whole periods, because I remember Ethan Bear came on for a penalty kill, and the commentator said, oh, "Wow, like he's done pretty well for someone who hasn't played in two whole periods." Yeah, he was fresh. Darnell Nurse couldn't skate. Yeah, like, exactly. He was exhausted, and I said it earlier. He had one hell of a game, but think how much better he would have been if he could have taken a breather every once in a while. And. Yeah, I know in overtime, you're like, oh, crap, you know, you want the best out there because at one quick play, the game's over. But the Jets were shuffling their lines. I know their fourth line wasn't out there all the time or their third pairing defenseman, but they were out there at times or even their third line more than Edmonton's. So they were more fresh. They had more energy to defend. Yeah, because they had more depth, though. Like Edmonton doesn't have a second line that can produce anywhere near the offense that the first line can do. Or a third line. Kyle Turris didn't play one playoff game this year. That he signed brutal. next year. That they so they like every it looks at a, 
he was a healthy scratch. I don't know for all of it, but he was a healthy scratch for most of it, if not all of it. But that shows you there's a problem depth-wise there. I mean, I'm looking at this this line right now. Their third line left winger is Devin Shore. He just signed for league minimum. That's not good enough. Like that's more of a fourth line signing. That's not that's not a third line we're going to win the cup signing right there. So maybe Back to my maybe point, their older and, all uh, GM was right. <laughs> Steam's not good enough. So I should have made some trades. I want to pose a question to the group then. So you know, say the GM goes out this offseason and he makes some additions, right? That that McDavid's pretty happy with. Thinks he's got a winning group here. Uh, how many years of kind of failure here in the postseason will McDavid put up with before he starts to look elsewhere? Does he have to wait till the end of his contract? Like he's still got. Uh, six like years one, left, two, I believe. Three, four, five years. Or five, after this year. five so after this year. Does he wait five years? Or, you know, I know. Let's let's pretend someone has you know something they could give up to get him. Like, how long does he wait before he starts having that conversation? Before he starts pulling a PLD and just not playing. I think I think he give it two years. He's I think he's at the Eichel level of frustration, like in Buffalo, where he's just about all but done with the organization oh, the no. city. he came out and said though that he he wants to win a cup with edmonton he thinks you know there's a good group of guys whereas uh i call yeah very different story i mean I mean, Eichel I add like a, a year further that. yeah but eichel has said something similar too i think uh, david gives it two well, more years of this kind of stuff yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna I, I'm on that. i'm with james on this i'm with james on this every time like ever since eichel is a rookie he's always been that brash outspoken guy like he's famous at boston university he was like that there right mcdavid's not like that like every time i hear like "Ooh, mcdavid's gonna want to leave edmonton and then you watch the press conference he's like i'm gonna stay like he never has showed that if they don't win a cup in his entire contract maybe he leaves in free agency but i don't think he's ever going to request a trade out of edmonton well that would de- dry saddle finishes a year before him so i think that would play a that big would be factor a in that huge as well. determinant that's a good point so cuz if, if so, dry saddle walks and i'm mcdavid i'm i'm going so that's I'm a great gone. point so maybe you give it 4 years if you haven't even come close to winning the Stanley cup if you haven't even made it to the semifinals by by the time you sign dry saddle he walks then he's definitely going i'm not he sure just, if this is maybe like this is going to be a hot take. I think it's just the fact that he has really good agent that he's never going to actually say these things. So many players are just trained to be like very neutral, never say anything hot in the media because it just looks bad. He probably can feel this way and wants out. I think way the difference just will never say a thing. The difference, though, with like Jack Eichel, like Austin was just saying, he's more outspoken. So that's a difference. But like playing in Buffalo has been miserable. Like, they haven't been close to the playoffs. They haven't tasted it. They, even though Eichel's been playing really well when he played, he was hurt this year. He, he hasn't had any success. Where McDavid's, like, he's getting almost 100 points, if not 100 points every year, Has lighting the league up, and then they fail in the playoffs. He's saying all the individual so, awards still, yeah. So he might he might be thinking, like, look, we're, we're that close or whatever, or I just need to step it up a bit more in playoffs. You know, Crosby didn't win his first year first couple of years yeah, it's been how many years now yeah I know. Five. Now, now it's getting deep right it always feels like he was drafted yesterday but i think just because he's had that like success with themselves and they have made the playoffs every year i know last year they got a, they didn't technically make the playoffs but they still played i think that would just keep him going a lot longer than eichel where it's just been miserable and I, I mean, Eichel doesn't play with a dry sidle so that i mean yeah, that he doesn't plays have a part dry of that part part a big winger. factor yeah i agree I, I'm not really sure where this whole, like, 
mentality that all these stars are going to want to request trades has come from because like it never happens in hockey like this has never been a thing it's fun to talk about it's it's so fun to it's fun to imagine like oh austin matthews just walks and goes to arizona i might even be as bold as to say that like jack eichel might have started this you know with last year's comments he made after his post people are starting to go oh maybe stars do want to be traded like maybe this is actually a real possibility. I mean, John I mean Tavares, how many years? Right? John Tavares it, it, too. That's it's got to be the Tavares is what Tavares started this. Yeah. And of course, it's Toronto, so it's just gonna. And you know what? Stir no team wants it to be the Islanders, where you let your your franchise guy walk and get absolutely nothing returned. That is the worst nightmare of any GM in the league. And they've been good, so honestly, good for them. Yeah, like, actually, I, couldn't, I was about I couldn't to say. Imagine, could you I couldn't it, imagine right? that. Would yeah. you sacrifice your best player and then have the greatest success you've had since you won the cup? Like, could yes. you imagine if Absolutely. Michael walked for free somehow? Like, let's just say his contract ended, and then Buffalo was good. <laughs> like, it, it's crazy <laughs> that that happened. But I, I think this, yeah, this is a really great conversation, a really great topic. So, I think this would be a good time to segue into Toronto because I think some of these uh, conversations are going to come up with the uh, with uh, the Maple Leafs here, right, Austin? When's game eight? <laughs> so... <laughs> you know, well, I used to like hate Toronto so much as a Sabres fan obviously right but every time I watch them like you're not so different you and I like they're just as miserable and I honestly no, don't they're, way worse. Worse. they're worse they're way worse they haven't they won have a playoff series since 2004 right yeah and at least with Buffalo it's like oh man this is uh this sucks but if I don't want to hear about it I don't have to like if I want to read Sabres news I gotta dig deep Toronto, it's like you wake up every day and it's like 30 people dunking on <laughs> Jack you. Campbell, yeah, you see like breakfast. five <laughs> articles midway through the season, like this is the year that they're going to win the Stanley Cup at trade deadline, like the, the Toronto Maple Leafs have five ex-captains, like this is never like unprecedented times, like, and then they get, you know, knocked out in game seven, like every year, like. It, it almost felt like when Tavares got hurt, which was terrible, and I hope he's okay. It almost felt like that sucked the life out of the team. Like that, the rest of that game, they didn't look good. And then I know they won a few after that, but it just felt like when Tavares was gone, they were just missing a huge piece, whether in the locker room or on the ice. And it's no excuse. And it's no excuse. I'm going to counter that because they lost him. They lost that game. They go down one nothing. Then they win three in a row. And those three games are the greatest games the Toronto Maple Leafs have played in the playoffs. Like, that one game where it was there, they won 4-1. Like, they brutalized Montreal in that game. Yeah. Like, like they were just missing that piece. They were, no, and I'm, I'm not saying that's a good enough excuse. I That's just what I personally believe sunk them. Well, they also and lost Jake Muzzin, who's their them. best defenseman. They did lose Jake Muzzin by the end, and he is. I really like Jake Muzzin. I'm a huge fan of him. Yeah. Which is Jake crazy. Was this, team, this team that has all these stars loses but a player and it's of, like the end of the world for them but they have all these other stars at the end of what, the, the day big? like you look at game seven right and it wasn't the defense that killed them they couldn't score a goal like they didn't i know for game seven no price is like you know he's a, he's elite right he's like it one of the best if not the best goaltender in the league but like even with Tavares out with that forward core and the amount of money they're making you have to be able to score at least two playoff games or Man, goals buddy, how you, in a game. Funny how you mentioned goals, though, because Austin Matthews had one in seven games. Wow. He had 35 shots, and he had one goal. That's, like This is the most he's ever shot in the playoffs in his entire career, five years, and nothing. <laughs> one, one goal. Moral of like, the story, brutal. spend 10 mil on a goalie. 
Oh yeah, the wait, greatest Florida. goal scorer <laughs> to ever grace hockey. Hey, Paul was Toronto would call some wins, okay? When you make more than nine million, you're no longer a type player. You're not a sniper. You're not a playmaker. You are the guy. You do everything. There's no excuse when you make that much money. Like as Agreed. much it, like we're dunking on Edmonton, McDavid is the guy. He will score. He will assist. He will try his best on defense. He earns every penny. And no one, no one would argue. You're right. Like that. Like you know, I know when he signed, there was a lot of controversy. He's always taking up this much percent of the cap, but there's not a chance in hell any team would look or think twice about not signing that that mm-hmm. that type of money. Yeah. But Toronto made the least. That, yeah. that contract could be 14, 15 million. Oh, yeah. and Teams would still be like. That is hundred percent worth it because he, he he brings it, he shows up. But like Matthews, one goal in seven games, and then Marner four points in seven games. What I'm not as hard on Matthews because he's he went from like this guy's going to be a really good elite center to this guy might be generational. Like his shot is insane, and he had a rough playoffs, but he is the future of the Maple Leafs. What is Marner's place the, on this team? Arizona Coyotes. Like you're paying eleven, was it eleven point six for Marner? Ten for ten, ten point something, yeah. Like a lot more than 10. I ten point nine, yeah, ten point nine million for a winger who's not who's not the guy, not a generational winger. He puts up, he was top five in points. That's great. He's not a game changer though. He's a perimeter guy. And so I can still you win don't with a guy understand like why they don't play him with Tavares. I know in the playoffs Tavares got hurt, wouldn't have made a difference, but. When well, you, when you look at the stats, Tavares and Marner were at their best, like best for the team when they were together. That line was on fire. And Matthews, you put him with Nealander and whoever else, and he's still going to be elite. And he always is. So it always blows my mind that they put Marner with Matthews, and then Tavares doesn't have that yeah an, another elite guy with him when Matthews makes it work with anyone. And Tavares can do that, but I just thought the Toronto team was so much better when you had that Matthews and Nylander, someone else, usually Hyman, who let's see if he comes back. Probably not. And then the second line was Marner's Tavares. Who can stop that on a second line? Basically no one. I mean, Marner played all this year, and I believe last year with um, Matthews as the center, not Tavares. And those were both career highs for points per game. Career His best was with math. But look at Tavares. Look at how many points Tavares had. It definitely was a drop. And I was saying like the best for the team was putting yeah, that's, him that's with Tava- uh, Tavares. Maybe he has a few less points, but Tavares has a whole lot more. And then you have two stellar lines instead of one incredibly good line, which was shut down against Montreal. And then the second line looking a lot weaker. But I mean, this is two playoffs in a row though, where Matthews has been basically completely killed like he's the generational guy who's the guy in toronto and he's gotten what in his last 12 playoff games i believe it is he has three goals and that's it's got to be the pressure let me let me let me bring this up to you this i'll just show you i just kind of demonstrate how much uh the coach likes mitch Marner. he has the highest average time on ice in the playoffs of any forward even more than Matthews, you know, like 24-43 for Mitch Marner and 23-53 for Matthews. Must have be because he blocked that shot that one time at the end of the game. And if he made less than Jack Eichel, that would be an impressive number. But 
you know, when you get paid what ten point nine million to play on the wing. I just I don't I will never understand that deal. I don't want to be like too hard on him, but you know, you're you grew up a Toronto fan. This is literally your dream to win a cup with Toronto and you take the most amount of money. You're making more than anyone in the league off endorsements. He's on a Toronto commercial every other day. And then you just you've kept, you've put a ankle clamp on the team. I mean, they're, does he never going to be able to compete? Does he crack under pressure, do you think? Like, let's talk about that penalty. Like, that that oh, yeah, game that. penalty flicked it out. Bad. Like, how He takes how does those that a lot too. Like, I, I just kind of whispered to myself, actually. I said, it must be the pressure when you look at these Toronto players. I mean, other there's than no Montreal. There's no fans in the stock. Like, you're in the sands. Like, I, I know there's none in the in the stands, but, I mean, you got to imagine, that, like, when these players leave their house, they're going to be recognized by every single person. Say, like, I, I'm saying, like, basically other than Montreal. But Montreal had underdog approach to this playoffs. What we're not even Toronto fans when we're talking Toronto. about them. Exactly. Like, everyone talks about them. We're- everyone talks about Toronto. They're, they're quote-unquote, Canada's team. I know a lot of French Canadians are going to be very upset about that, but uh, I just think the pressure would be too much. I mean, when Tavares get hurt, got hurt, there was newspapers showing the photo of him getting hurt with cheesy titles. Yeah. Like, which is disgusting, absolutely. But that just shows you like what it's like playing there. That's every day. We probably don't even hear about all like those terrible like gossip magazines or radio shows that we don't get over here that they get in Toronto. It probably makes it a thousand times worse. I couldn't imagine playing in Toronto with that much pressure. And which is crazy because they haven't been they haven't been lights out. They they almost need to take that Montreal approach, the fans, where they're like, you know what, we have a really good team, but we we have no track record of being good. Like well, I mean, you can't really make that argument this year because they were leagues ahead of every other Canadian team. But well, arguably, that, worst division in hockey. I saw multiple and the, posts, and of that's people, what I mean. Multiple posts the, of people getting tattoos of you know Stanley Cup champions. And that's stupid. <laughs> I never understand when people do that. But but that's what I mean. They're that much better than everyone, so their fans are expecting a victory. How many TSN or Sportsnet or anyone had Montreal winning? Like any of All the animals. Like none. I had none. Like none. Not one. No one on this podcast did. So okay. So you know, everyone has a story have. of Tampa Bay when they got swept in the first round by Columbus. Is this a? Is this this or is, <laughs> is that? Is this not that? Man, every year, every damn year, I go. You know what? I underestimated Toronto last year. This is this the, is the year. year, and this year it backfired <laughs> so hard. So I'm gonna say, absolutely no way. And this, and then they'll do it. So absolutely no way. I always no way say they're like, do it. a team has to break through the hump one day. But when is that going to happen for Toronto? Like when we're talking about Edmonton and Winnipeg, we're like, oh, they need to change this, like a player or a coach or a manager. You know, when they got knocked out in Game Seven in 2013, they blew up their front office. They brought in Brendan Shanahan. They brought in everyone else with the Shanna Shana plan, plan. The Shanna plan. They lose a bunch. They get Austin Matthews. They make the playoffs against Washington. They get their ass kicked because they're a young team. That's okay. They get rid of their GM. They bring in Dubas. They make it. They lose again with Babcock. They fire Babcock. They lose again to Columbus. They get rid of all their bottom six, bring in all these guys, and they lose. Like, what is there left to change? To, to be fair, to the be core. fair, like, you look at the age of their core elite franchise, you know, players, and they're young enough that they can just keep 
doing exactly what they keep chugging keep the, keep the guys and just like get rid of some bottom guys and just replace them every year and they got another four or five years before they have to worry about and, anything and the good news for them is boston is finally starting to get old. too old i mean they they keep every year it looks like it doesn't matter but it will catch up eventually but yeah this year was like as i was saying the pressure like every other year was always boston boston will always beat them somehow in some round usually game seven and that would be really annoying and frustrating. But that's a really good team. And Boston is built for the playoffs. This year was finally the one where it's like, oh, Montreal. Montreal on five. You know, we got this. No worry. And I bet you that pressure got to them. Because it's like, look, Montreal played where they had nothing to lose. There's clips of them practicing before game seven. And they're talking to each other going, anything can happen. Like, they're all saying to each other, anything can happen. Like, they didn't think they were going to win. But they had nothing that they had nothing to lose, so they tried their hardest. Where I bet you, when Marner flicked that puck out of bounds, he had a lot going through his head before and after he flicked that puck. Yeah, well, I think Montreal had a, also a change of game plan. It was score quick, score early, then shut the trap down and make sure any shot that comes towards Carey Price is something easy. And they did the same thing against the Jets too. And when you Montreal, have Price, well, it's like good Montreal scored. <laughs> Like just going back to the Jets series, Montreal scored three times in the first period, like in three different games, and then the one game they didn't, they scored early in the second period. They made sure they get out to a lead and just shut down the game. They did the same thing to Toronto. And we will see uh, how well this holds on when they face a real uh, American team, which I don't think it will last that long. But we'll see I also how that think goes. what hurt Toronto was they fell into the media trap. Like they had a pretty good bottom six last year with. Uh, Andreas Janssen and Kapanen, fast, skilled, good analytical players. And what was all the media saying? Oh, this team's not tough enough. They don't have grit. So I think Caldewis fell to the trap because he went and he got all these old, experienced guys, gritty guys, you know, Foligno, Thorne, uh, Simmons, like, you know, big grits. Like, and they all sucked. Like, they were all terrible. Exactly, like, It just seems like it was, a, it, like, they just did it for fun. Like, I know they probably would say it to do with the leadership and stuff like that, but, like... Leadership doesn't score goals. That, it's like, like, that doesn't make sense to me. I know it was, like, cheap and, like, but, like, I don't know. That the issue with Toronto... The good news is they all expire, so... <laughs> they don't they have... also just got all this grit, but they're also just, that's it. They can't skate. They can't play offense. You know, they can't do defense. Probably they just of, hit a guy in a corner. Now that I think about it, you know, now that you sign, you know, probably the issue probably is too, you sign this 41-year-old, you know, well past his prime, like 15 years ago, you know, 10 years ago, Joe Thornton, you have to play him. Like, you can't not play him. Are you going to healthy scratch him? Like, so you're, yeah. you're potentially taking up a roster spot for someone, a younger guy that could have much more impact than 41-year-old Thornton. Nick Robertson, who was the first guy to be 18 in the playoffs, if you guys never heard that stat once. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, I think this goes back to, uh, we haven't really jumped into it too much. We kind of did a little bit with Edmonton Toronto, but those stars making like stupid amount of money where that might be why Toronto has to go out and sign these old guys because they're on league minimum, Spezza and Jumbo Joe. And I know they should probably have a prospect in there or a younger guy who wants to prove himself playing there. 
but it's too easy when you have this like they're you know they're always from Ontario, but they always find this player who is incredible, and they always wanted to see him in a Toronto Maple Leafs jersey, and they're the best team in Canada this year. So they're like, oh, it's cheap, fills depth, and it's a dream come true, and we're going to win the Stanley Cup and be the best team with all these legends who have never won or won a long time ago, and it just didn't work. And we'll see them do it again. They'll probably re-sign Spezza and uh, maybe Jumbo Joe. Yeah. How many points did Spezza have this year? Can you take a guess? Couldn't tell you, honestly. No clue. Like 10? I don't know. Jason Spezza had 30 points this year. Oh, wow. You know what? You, know you what? put some respect on I'm gonna Spezza. I'm going to put some respect <laughs> on that name. I he was the only some... good old guy. Uh, but... Spezza did have a good playoffs, too. He had, like, what, five points in seven games? Spezza so you know was what? elite. We're totally off the mark on this one. But... Uh, S- but Simmons Jumbo and Joe. How many points one. did Jumbo Joe have? Jumbo Joe is horrible. Jumbo Joe is garbage. So he can. So see. okay, one one works out really really well. So I'll give that. Spezza did really well, and then one doesn't. They just balance out to basically nothing. Here was, was the thing. One. Though. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's how Thor- Thorden, Simmons, <laughs> Foligno, and Bogosian all had one point. There you okay, go. Okay. Well, Zach Bogosian is too yeah, busy true. being a playoff god and a Stanley Cup winner. So you don't, you don't sign Bogosian Zach Bogosian. to get fifty points a night. Yeah, you signed Zach Bogosian to win Stanley Cups, but you know what you should—they should have done what they were doing. You know, you have Spezza, you have your old veteran. Throw some rookies on his wing. You know, let him teach and let those young guys be fast and speedy. At one point in the season, there was a line of Joe Thorne, Jason Spezza, and Wayne Simmons. Like, are they trying to win the 2006 Stanley Cup? <laughs> it has yeah, like, brutal. What that is is like that's literally a line of cup chases, and I, I always think this: if you chase the cup, you're never gonna do it. Like how many times have we seen like a guy getting towards the end of his career? He goes to I just think of Neil uh, Joe McGinley goes to Boston, right? Like goes to Avalanche, so the up and coming team. It just like I don't know what it is. It just never seems to work. And like this is just another classic case of that. You have a couple guys come in um, that haven't won the cup before. They come to Canada's team. They're they're clearly the top of the division, and then. Just doesn't work out. So, also one Such. underrated thing that we haven't even mentioned does like does do suck at making trades. Like the uh, the trade okay. for Kadri, horrible. He doesn't he lost trade Barry. at all much, he does he? Lose. And then at the trade deadline, how much did they give up for Ligno? They gave up a first, and I think two seconds to get Nick Foligno. Put up one assist in the playoffs. Foligno got a a first. And a second. Oh and a God. second. Wow. To play one game in the playoffs. And is or he down one point in the playoffs. How many... He's a free agent. Oh my God. He's already he's driving back to Columbus as we speak. Like he's gone. He's so, going he's gonna sign with them again. I do just want to quickly talk about Jason Spetson then quickly. So I just looked, because twenty of his thirty points were assists. So do you think he would have had more points or less points if he had like let's just say Kapanen on his wing or a young winger instead of Jumbo Joe who couldn't skate anymore? If he had 18-year-old Nick Robertson, he probably would have had 40 points. Exactly. So maybe I, I definitely was a bit too harsh on uh, on him there. But, yeah, when you sign like Jumbo Joe and James was saying you have to play him, you're not sitting Jumbo Joe and he can't skate. And Spezza's older. He can't skate as much now either. Their, line, their fourth line in their final playoff game was uh, – oh, sorry. Uh, was Nick Foligno, Joe Thorne, Jason Spezza. And, wow, I, I want to go back to what Austin was saying, because I think actually you might be onto something here, because they have three draft picks this year, and they have three next year. The rest are gone. 
And I get selling, like, I criticize Edmonton for not going all in. But you have to get over that hump. When you look at the Penguins' history, they didn't start doing that till they won Cups. And the reason why is when they started to get older, they started injecting those young guys. You know, Jake Gensel, Zach Aston Reese, uh, a young Rust. And now, obviously, Pittsburgh doesn't have any prospects, but they won their Cups. If you're doing yeah, that now when you're time. not at the Stanley Cup point, you're not going to... You're not going to get anywhere. Dubis you're not going to have those young guys. San Jose when I think of that. Dubas is so locked into this core at this point that, like, I don't know what he can do. Like, I think the core is great. Yeah. But the big thing about paying the guys a lot of money is you need those young guys on entry-level contracts to come in and play big roles. And besides Nick Robertson, who do they have that can do that? Nobody. They have, they, they, uh, they have Abramov, who they drafted last year in the first round, but he's not ready. I mean, they did trade for Galchenyuk, but with how he performed, he's due for a big pay raise that Toronto can't afford. Like, TJ Brody had two goals this year. One in he the was regular season, elite one in the playoffs. Though. And, okay, maybe he was way better defensively, but that the money you're paying him, because they're paying him five mil, on a team where money is something they desperately need, cap space is something they desperately need, and you sign a guy for five mil to be a shutdown guy playing with Morgan Riley. You could easily find a, guy, a shutdown guy for a lot less money who isn't going to get points because that's not his role. And then use that extra cap on, let's say, another defenseman or another forward, which would help out. If you look at this team, what who could they trade on this team to free up cap space? It has to be a core piece or one of their better defensemen. And then they still are now missing that player and don't have that much more cap left. Speaking of cap, too, the, like they're going to free up a bunch because Frederick Anderson's gone. There's no way he resigns in Toronto. But they also still need to find a backup goalie, which has always eluded the Leafs for forever. They traded for David Riddick this year. They gave up a third for David Riddick, played him once. That was it. And in two years, Campbell's up. Campbell makes less than $2 million right now. You don't think he's getting a big pay raise? You know, there's a and, chance their backup could be any more than their primary. There will be a good chance that happens. And I, in my opinion, Campbell's played very well this year. I'm not going to blame him for the playoffs loss at all. But when it's Campbell against Carey Price, who takes the edge in goaltending? I mean, Carey Price would take the edge over anyone, in my opinion. But even when it was Jets, maybe, uh, Jets Habs, it was Hellebuck versus Price. Hellebuck fell, didn't play as well, and Price stayed strong. Where with Campbell, you're not going to have those. I com- Campbell completely stole a series or completely stole a couple games in a row or was just completely lights out all the time. I don't think Toronto has a proper starter if Campbell's their starter next year. Yeah, I mean, the dude had one year ish with the Leafs this year, and it was a COVID year. So it's kind of tough to say. And it was where they the were dominant. Exactly. It they were the, the best worst. team. Like, they had to go up against a Flames team who thought the top line should have Goudreau with Brett Ritchie. Like, that's... That, exactly. You don't have to worry about getting scored on there. Like, that is easy. Just walk in the park. Right? Like, a I can't Flames imagine what happens when they go that. against the Islanders, the Penguins, the Bruins again. They're going to get dominated. Exactly. And look at... And the Islanders, they have... Uh, they, they play a very defensive game. Doesn't matter who they throw in net, but they always have a decent goalie. They always make sure the shots are coming from the outside and the goalie can save everything. 
Bruins, they have Rask. They've had Rask forever. Good goalie. He can steal games. He can sell series. That last goal that Campbell let in through his legs, I don't think Freddie Anderson would have let that in. And I know Leafs fans are going to be going nuts on the keyboard now because they, they always seem to hate him the most. But think of how good he was in playoff series before. He was sometimes the only guy keeping them in. And he had a bad he had a bad couple games and they base and then got hurt. And they basically went, We're gonna run with Campbell the whole series, doesn't matter. And I don't think Freddie Anderson would have let in that goal. I'm not gonna blame Campbell for the loss because the Leafs should have been better. But I think they could have done a lot better if Freddie oh, Anderson or yeah. a proper starter was in net. Maybe they'll uh, go after well, uh, Allmark. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. I think I think JJ's onto something because well, I think Freddie Anderson was a great goalie, and he still is a good goalie. Just how many games, how many shots did he face, how many games did he play, right? Toronto never had a backup goaltending option. They just burned the hell out of Freddie Anderson. By the time he gets to playoffs, he's shell-shocked. He can't save another puck. He's already faced, like, 3,000-plus shots a season. So let That's me true. open up this question. If you were the Toronto Maple Leafs GM, and you can make one trade that you think would save this team, could win a round. What trade are you making? <laughs> I'm going to have to look at cap friendly before I... It's, it's a hard one. Do you shake up the core? Do you just do something minor that you think would push him ahead? You know, you got a lot of good pieces. You got Jason Spezza, who had more points than Sean Monaghan this year, right? So you have all these <laughs> good guys. nuts. I cannot believe that. I need to put more respect on him. Uh, you want to hear an even more disgusting stat? That's just yes, like sorry. stabbing my heart. Uh, Jason Spezza would be third in points if he played for Buffalo this year. And that that probably is more the product of just being on a super dominant team. A good but, team. Yeah, that is shameful. Playing a good game. That is shameful. Um, mm. oh, man, like that's the thing. I'm looking at this team on cap friendly, and I'm like, oh, this team should win the cup. But, this exactly, team's really JG, good. Like, and <laughs> the same thing. Like I look at the team, and it's like. I don't know, like, I don't see any of the core pieces you can get rid of. The only core piece I think you could or should get rid of is gotta be Marner. He's a winger that makes over $10 million, and he's primarily just a pass guy, doesn't really score much. He's the one guy that makes the most sense. You don't get rid of two first-line centers. But who's going to tape that, and what deal do you make where you get rid of Marner? That's that's the, the question I'm asking team. you. You're the GM of Toronto. You tell me. Oh man, Dubis is in a hard spot. Yeah, because everyone expiring this year is they either won't be re-signed or not signed for as much, except Zach Hyman, at least on the forward core. Their entire I bottom. I six don't is know expiring. if they have enough money to re-sign Zach Hyman. He is really good. He's been really and he's great, pro- and he's probably going to want a payday now because he's always been not making that much. Compared to the well, big and boys. if you go to him right and you say, "Hey Zach, you know we need you to take a team friendly deal here to help help me out, you know help do this out." Why would he do that when no one else has done that? Like, why would he? Exactly. Why should he do that when no, like Matthews, Tavares, Mono, like none Zach of them, Hyman yeah, already took a team friendly deal. He's worked his ass off his whole career. It's about damn time he gets paid. Yeah, and like exactly, like why is he gonna be like, oh? I'll take like three or four mil at Toronto when this other team's offering me five mil and thinks I'm like elite. Well, Toronto offered him five mil and he said no. I think that, he's only at six. That came out as fake news. That that was not true. It came out that they they haven't offered him anything yet. <laughs> I was about to say I don't know if he would have turned that down. That is a lot of money. 
Apparently, that's where the market the market value is five point five to six for him right now. But he has that is actually it. crazy. He is really good, but that I just uh, think that might keep be him a bit I can't afford that though. He was on pace for thirty goals this year. I'm gonna bring out the yield look who he plays right? with argument. That that is a good point. <laughs> I'm gonna bring out the look who he plays with argument. Uh, I mean, because most of the time he plays with Matthews, so he's basically with Marner and Matthews every game. You know who Zach Hyman reminds me a lot about, and I think a team's gonna really regret signing them, Kyle Poza. Kyle Poza was a near identical player to Zach Hyman in his prime. Hard. So you think some team's gonna be like. They're going to do the Buffalo. They're going to throw 5.6 for seven years. And it's just that wear and tear on the body is too much. I think Hyman's a more skilled player than Ocpozo, but it's it's scary. Thinking now, like, and I think maybe we're looking at this wrong way. We don't need to bring in anyone skilled. I don't, I, you know, I think it's pretty clear. They don't need to bring in a skilled guy. You know, maybe you can get rid of one of the mediocre skilled guys, but I think I'm just looking at the players and like, I think you really need to bring in like some emotional guy, like some someone who can really rally the team. Like, I mean, I'm thinking of playoff legend Sam Bennett style, like rally the team. You know, like like has Matthews ever like rallied the team like Sam Bennett? Has Marner ever rallied the team like Sam Bennett? I guarantee they've Sam never Bennett done anything close to one of The day we don't talk about <laughs> Sam Bennett on the podcast is the day this podcast ends. Like, can I you tell just, we either love him or hate him? I think this is the longest like, time we've gone without Sam Bennett in the podcast. And I know that's what they tried to do with Wayne Simmons, but like maybe you need a young guy. The guy like yeah. i think he's a bit too old for that like the issue with uh, wayne actually, simmons was he literally went i'm gonna be the big tough guy got in a fight hit his body and then he went died. oh crap i'm hurt i can't <laughs> do this <laughs> well i mean that kind of ties in what we were talking about earlier with them signing all these old players for a lot of them one their body just can't do it anymore so that's not on them that's just father time that happens with everyone uh mm-hmm. the second is they don't need to prove that they need to be there. They know at the end of the year, I'll either get a contract or I'll retire and I'm happy. I can go live the rest of my life. Where when you have these young guys who are fighting for a roster spot, every game, every minute, every second of ice could be their last. And I think the Canadians really proved that. Exactly. And when that. you have young, fast skaters Cold on the coffee. third and fourth line who are want to prove that they want to, that they should be on that team. Going against Toronto's old depth and Winnipeg's like old fourth and third line, they're just they're going to be faster. They're going to be more hungry, and clearly they'll play better according to this playoff. So, I think you definitely need young guys who or who need to fight for their spot in the team. Yeah, because they're going to um, play the the hardest they can every time. I, I kind of want to pose a question to the panel then because we're t- we've talked about this core a bit. We talked about Dubas a little bit, but. For this collapse of the Leafs, who, who who do we put it on? Do you put it on their core players, their goaltending, their GM, their coach, their owners, Shanahan? Who do you put it on? Who's at fault? Their fans burning jerseys. I'm putting it on them. That That is the reason right there that that team plays so bad. I If I knew every time I made a mistake, someone's going to post a video of them burning a Toronto jersey they've probably had for 40 years, that would really affect me playing the game. I'm going to put would this really on bother Dubas. Me. And I'm not putting this on Dubas in the, ooh, the top four are paid too much. But when you have a plan, you got your roadmap, and you start to doubt yourself and do what people tell you to do, that's when you lost. 
It's like fantasy hockey. Every year I go, uh, I don't like doing my old strategy. I'm going to change it up. I don't win it, right? You have this fast young team and then you sign all these old guys. Like it just, it absolutely, it doesn't work. We saw it this year. He shouldn't have listened to the media. He's just got to stay his course. And I know he's going to get a lot of heat when he doesn't re-sign these old guys and he's going to bring in some younger guys, but it's going to be the right move. No, I totally agree, Austin. Like after our conversation we just had about, you know, he literally did the opposite of what he should be doing, bringing these old captains when he should bring bringing this young energy into locker room. I think that's exactly what they need. And I think that's, you know, someone that's going to get paid one mil, you know, maybe cap, cap bottom, like, those are the guys I think that are going to motivate this team, and those are the guys that are going to get Matthews, Tavares, Mayona going in the playoffs. Not Joe Thornton, 41-year-old, man's on his last life. Like, that's not it. And that's- if Spezza puts 30 points up next year, though, I'm buying his jersey. I mean, I just disrespected this man so hard <laughs> just to find out he's elite. I, I, I don't know. I was like, oh, I don't know how many points he got. And I knew he had a good year. I just didn't he think it was that good. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Austin, did we want to segue into Pittsburgh then? I know you had some comments about uh, you felt Pittsburgh was really disappointing this year. Yeah, I mean, I was just shame. Like, I watch, like, obviously, I don't know how much you guys watch them, but because they played in the same division as Buffalo, I got a really good peek at them. And I thought they were going to be pretty good contenders. Like, they looked hot. They looked like a great team and they got goalied and i remember at the midpoint in the year when rutherford got fired or he quit apparently the rumor the reason why he stepped down was because he tried to make a trade for flurry and ownership said no and he was so upset he quit and keep in mind the rumor was every single team in the league got a trade offered for flurry before the season started and everybody said no because vegas wouldn't give him a first round to take flurry and then Flurry had a Vesna candidate season. And I honestly, I, I bet you if, if the Penguins made that trade for Flurry, our podcast would have been making fun of them. I guarantee. Absolutely. Yeah. But then you watch 100%. Tristan Jari in the playoffs. Can't make a save. Trying to catch life. a goddamn beach ball and missing. And then throwing <laughs> the puck out for no reason. Yeah, Trist- Tristan Jari was pretty brutal, but I mean, I Pittsburgh's defensive him. core is not great enough for Flurry to have that kind of season. To be fair, I think Flurry would have been huge for them. I think he would have been a game Both changer. better than Jari, especially because he he's been gone for so long and he still holds that locker room. He'd come well, and talk about a, a motivating factor. Factor exactly like you're saying, Austin. Like, yeah, like that would have completely motivated every single guy in that locker oh, room, even absolutely. if they never played with him. Yeah, no, like everyone would instantly have the respect for Flurry, Like, he's a legend in Pittsburgh. And it's just, like, it's just one of those things where you gave up Flurry to protect Matt Murray to give up Matt Murray. So you could have Tristan Jari, who also sucks. Like, what are you doing, Pittsburgh? Yeah, I mean, I feel like most of us, if we were GMs at the time, would have made the hard decision to let Flurry go. Because it was like, oh, Matt Murray's you younger, you he just to. won a cup. Yeah. yeah. And no, I mean, no, who would have predicted like the fall off like that? But Jim Rutherford. But yeah, like I cannot believe that like every team was like, oh, like have Flurry. Everyone said no. And Flurry's basically done what happened when he got drafted by Vegas, went F you everyone else. I'm gonna prove that I shouldn't have been exposed and that all these teams that could have had me should have taken me, and that's what he's doing, so good on him. Oh, don't get me wrong. When like when I was reading the thread that the Sabres were like considering to take Flurry, I was so upset. I was like, I don't want to pay $9 million for a goalie 
no chance. Oh my and God. then he had the year that he had. Uh, just a live update. Speaking of Flurry, uh, he and the Golden Knights are going on to the semifinals to play oh, the, uh, the Habs. Six, and segueing into the Colorado three. Avalanche. <laughs> <laughs> and our next, and our next one. No, 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 but seriously, like Flurry is just playing great. He has a wow. chip on his shoulder, and he also has now a strong defensive core, which he really never has had in his career in Six, front of him. Three. This guy can go like two, three more years like this, I think. And he he's going to put up great numbers. But that leaves me wondering, does Vegas offer the same trade next year? Because they signed Laner, right? Like, No, it's one year left. Just, just stick it out at that point. Yeah, I would honestly just sign him and then just keep doing what you're doing now. Although where, uh, there were with, points in this fight season. Fight for that starting role. Like, there were major points in the season where Vegas couldn't play a full roster because they're that much over the cap. They had a night where they played only four defensemen because they were that cat strapped. <laughs> so, do you, like, beg teams to take Flurry? I mean, don't forget about the expansion draft, right? There's no way they're going to have. Well, yeah. they, they don't lose anyone. Why? Oh, they're Vegas. They don't get it. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, he just said the Vegas, Vegas doing whatever they want moment. Oh, it's Vegas. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't get any. Uh, they don't right. get any in the buy-in money, money. But yeah. you're right. To be honest, I don't think anyone expected them to be this good. So I don't think I think that's why they were. But yeah, I I mean I I was just quickly looking over who got points in the game tonight, and their team is so good. It's like everyone has two or one points, and they scored six goals. Vegas They're also team. hit the jackpot in money wise in that they were good out the gate, so the city fell in love with them. They're corny as hell, so the city loves them. And the number one thing that was going to threaten Vegas is when this city gets an NFL team. If the NFL team's good and the Vegas Golden Knights aren't, everyone will forget about hockey. And the Oakland Raiders came to Vegas, so there was no fears there. Like I think <laughs> Vegas has become the most one of the most profitable cities for hockey. Like, oh, for sure. Yeah. But I, just going I'd like back to, see when they lose, though. to Pittsburgh, uh, do you think this is just the goaltending issue? Or do you think there's an like the core is done? I think they're getting close. I think their window's closed. Malkin just got knee surgery, so he's not going to be the same next year. Crosby's up there in age. Latang's up there in age. And injuries. Who else Who else do they have after that? Kapanen? Kapanen's not a guy you're going to build around. Well, Gensel. Uh, Gensel's and, one and of their better players. Gensel's amazing. Rust is Zucker. amazing. But they're not going to be what Crosby, Malcolm, Latang were to the team. See, I well, think I think this Crosby. will be a team that this will be a team that like just squeaks in or keeps making the playoffs the next couple years because they have Crosby and Malcolm. But I don't think they will have the same threat level that they've had. I know when we did our predictions, I went, "Hey, anything can happen with Sidney Crosby." And that's so the they thing. will always have Mary, that with me. Yeah, but. Mary Lemieux, the owner, he will not let this team go down when Crosby's on it. So no. if he's not going to let this team go down, do you think Pittsburgh tries their absolute hardest to move some cap so they can bring in a goalie? They signed Tristan Jari for a long time. Let's <laughs> say we, they might yeah. not have an option. He'll, Tristan Jari only has two uh, more years. It's only two more years. Yeah, I wouldn't say oh, a long okay. time. Yeah. That's not too bad. And he, he's under three million. So, like, but then you're you're taking a spot away. You're not, five, but you're not taking a spot away from Tristan Jari. You're taking a spot away from Casey DeSmith, who is actually really good for them. I think the the problem and with that like, is they would have to trade out a core player just to have enough cap to get a starter. 
but they'd have to make a pretty big move just to have enough cap to get an elite star. You've got Brian but Burke, there... president of hockey operations, right? He's not going to go down without a fight. That man, he's something else. Oh, you know I, what? I they, do, they do have $2 million come off this year of dead cap. Like, I think they do have the will and the determination to make a ballsy move like this, right? Especially when you have goalies like Frederick Anderson, Philip Grubauer, Linus Olmark, all hitting the market. Yeah, all of those guys are signed good, yet. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And all three of those guys are great stars and a guaranteed improvement over what they have. I do you think Vegas offers a trade for Flurry again? And if you have a lot of faith Another in the Smith, you, you sign Ranta then and do a tandem setup. The I think that's Pittsburgh, what they should do, like, honestly, but they have too many goalies. When we talked about the other teams and how they struggled and made bad trades, Pittsburgh fucking hit everything. They bring in, what's his name, Jeff Carter. I'm like, what a bum. Scores four goals against Buffalo. They bring in Cody Ceci. We laugh at them. Cody Ceci's their best defenseman this year. Like, they did not learn this how to play this hockey. Year. Like, what, do, what more Capitan. does Pittsburgh do? Like, yeah. I, I'm putting great. it on goaltending. I'm putting it's, it on goaltending. It's, yeah, it's all on goaltending. 100%. You know? I think there's no... They got Phillied. Yeah. They bring in they Calgary Phillied Flames in the legend. <laughs> Isn't that ironic, Kowski? They, uh, Pittsburgh got Phillied, yeah, wow. So they, some yeah, sort of the two Pennsylvania there, teams. Pennsylvania, yeah. You know what? Trade one for one, Goldies with Philly. Heart. <laughs> and just see, see who makes them. Jarry. I'm just kidding. This is a joke. I mean, what, what team has a lot of cap space coming up this year? Seattle. Do you not believe that Pittsburgh would trade Malkin or would trade a first so Seattle takes Malkin. You think they would need to trade something for them to take it? To trade Malkin. The issue is a first. There's a no moving clause. Oh, yeah. But Malkin's at 9.5 million. He only has one year left. I don't even think they'd have to give up a first. But I wouldn't they do that. I would personally, I would, I would let him like have one last chance. I know he's having knee surgery, but... When you have a duo that's as legendary as Malkin and Crosby, I think you even if your team's not great, you just you let them ride it out. You let them enjoy their last moments. Let's forget. Let's let, you know. Let's, let's gonna be sad. Let's not joke that these this team is not not great. I mean, they finished top of the division. This was a good team this year. This is and that's that. And when you have Crosby and Malkin on your team, yeah, every year Pro- could be your year. And Pro- next Crosby's year, Malkin and Latang are done. So ne- after next year, that's a lot of money off the books. So I think they should probably just keep it pretty similar, maybe try to get a goalie or a piece here or there, nothing crazy. And then next year, if it doesn't work, you can blow it up because you have two of your biggest contracts coming off the books. This might sound absolutely disgusting. Um, Pittsburgh Penguin fans, I warned you, please turn your volume off just for this part. But if they do get rid of Malkin... Why don't they go after Ovechkin? No. No, he's going to no. sign with... Oh, no. There's no way he's going to sign no. with Capital. Why no. not? No. Dude, no why? Lives, why? Do you, think, do, you think he, do you think Ovechkin would be like, yeah, sorry, Washington, not coming back. I'm heading to fucking Pittsburgh. To I play mean, with Sidney Crosby? We never thought Char would leave Pitt, uh, Boston. I, I, you know what? I see yeah, it. Crosby and Ovechkin go to Montreal. get along. Okay, why, why would you make that trade? You have two declining elite franchise people. Like, but at that point, like... You, you get rid of Malkin, you get some pieces back, nice death pieces, and you throw all your money at Ovechkin. 
No. Dude, at that point, this you're doing it stupid. You're getting older guys for, like, what is not what you need. An older guy who's going to be Gretzky's scoring record. And think about it. Could you put Crosby and Ovechkin on the same line? No. No, I'm saying the no. You, they have been rivals. Exactly, you cannot rivals. put those two on the, on the same team. team. No. Same that, line. And Ovi, not will not, Ovi will not walk to the Penguins. No way. If he does, shameful. Shameful Russian if he does that. I mean, no, o- Ovi hates Malkin. That That's a rivalry. Oh, but he'll they be absolutely gone. absolutely hate each other. But if Malkin's gone, I could see it. Because Crosby and Ovi actually get along decently well. I I refuse to let that trade happen. It's not a trade. It's a free agency sign. <laughs> I refuse to let that sign. I will, I will protest. I will do whatever. I refuse. It's your veto. <laughs> yeah, I will veto. I'll, I'll call up Gary and be like, you need to stop this right now. This shouldn't be allowed. Out of all like the different jerseys of like guys switching teams, seeing Ovechkin Pittsburgh jersey might make me vomit. Seeing seeing Ovechkin in any other jersey is gonna be weird. He's gonna stay, dude. That'd be the greatest thing. I mean, I guess he has worn black before, back when they wore those yeah jerseys. So <laughs> I don't know how much like they're gonna words. have to throw money at Ovechkin to keep him, but he'll stay. He's definitely gonna stay, and he'll take a discount. I think he'll take a discount. He's not taking a discount. A bit of a discount. Well, Backstrom so signed for like 9. Blaming, looks like we're blaming this series on goaltending as well. Oh, 100%. <laughs> like, there's like, not yeah. even a question. Like, it's, yeah. I, I think what's going to hurt the Penguins a lot, though, is Cody Cece's making less than $2 million, And with the season he put up, Penguins can't re-sign him. He's gonna... They either can't or they're going to do it and regret it is what I The poor <laughs> fan likely. base that gives Cody CC $4 million and he goes back to being Cody CC. Oh, I can't wait till it's Buffalo. So, question here. In terms of the expansion draft, because if they can't move, like, hypothetically, they're never going to move Malkin, right? Who do they lose in the expansion draft? And is there any way you can use the expansion draft to improve this team? Um, it's, I'm guessing probably going to lose McCann. Yeah, it's going to be McCann. Or, ooh, oh, oh no. McCann would be good. That would be a huge loss for them, McCann actually. or Dumoulin. That's, that's who they're going to lose. Yeah, no, I totally forgot John Let's Marino see. is no longer a rookie. If they lost McCann, I, I mean, he's been a slow developing player, but... He's good. He definitely has a scoring touch, and that would be a huge loss for them. So I, they definitely would have to. I don't know. I feel like they'd have to. I'm just looking at what the the people said on Cat Friendly, who they'd protect. I think they'd have to let Rust or someone go, even though they're really good players. Just because I think McCann, he's a lot younger, and he's a good player. So that would be a huge loss. They might have to make a trade to take something. Do you just like, let Rust please go? Please take. See, oh man, that's tough. That's what's always so hard with the expansion draft. You're like, oh yeah, just let this player go, and then it's like, oh, but I mean, Toronto is twenty nine with one year. Like, it's pretty much guaranteed Toronto's going to lose Kerfoot. He's a great player. He hasn't been playing that well in Toronto though. So, but that that will hurt their. But he's always been sure. one of those guys who's so good that See, hasn't given. The I just said, oh, I just said, oh, like. Yeah, easy, easy decision. Let Rust go. He had 56 points in 55 games last year and 42 points in 56 games this year. You cannot let that go. At 3.5 million, mind you. You cannot let that guy go. So they def- I feel like they're definitely going to have to make a trade. 
to take some player who makes too much money or just some bum because they can't lose that, especially when they their clock's running out. Yeah, like yeah. even McCann was pretty good. He had 32 points in 43 games this year. William so, Carlson, yeah, that, they're going to have a tough decision to make. When William Carlson got taken from Columbus, he was about a bit older than Kerfoot is now, and he was a quarter a point per game. He had 25 points in 81 games. Kerfoot was 0.5 points per game this year, and he's younger. Oh, wow. I, Kerfoot's going to become the yeah, next William Carlson. I, I can already feel it. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's going to be a He's going to be a beast when he gets on that first line. Yeah, I don't know what Pittsburgh... They're going to have to make a play because losing one of those guys for free, that's pretty big. So if they're going to make a play, are they all... like If you're in Pittsburgh, are you all in? Or do you just be like, fuck it, one last year, rebuild? I think you got to do the retool, but I, I don't know what you give up to Seattle. Because if I'm Seattle, that's too tempting. Honestly, I, I don't know. They'd have to give up a lot before if I was a Seattle GM. I don't take rust or mccann on my team because i mean if you take rust yeah he, he only has one year left but then you trade him if you take mccann you have a 25 year old who can put the puck in the net and's a good forward that's just very tempting that's pretty tempting speaking of disappointing teams, i don't know what they do they're in trouble we haven't really touched on them much what do the capitals do like they suck now yeah, what do they do? They, Apparently, they're willing they're almost, to trade. They've uh, almost Toronto'd themselves with their core. Yeah, didn't they say everyone but uh, like two players but or something? Backstrom free game. And apparently, they're trying really Which hard to, me makes no sense. to get rid of uh, Kuznetsov. Apparently, the organization soured on him. That's interesting. Must Kuznetsov's that guy that I've thought is so much younger than he actually is. Like, I always just picture him as like that twenty-four Russian. He's twenty-nine. Yeah, same. Yeah, I, I totally forgot he's grown. Oh, she's thirty-four and has four years left. Apparently, like yeah, everyone see, wants I, I to go to Seattle. I don't know what you because math is really good. Oshie? Yeah, because he's from the area, right? And he seems like the perfect candidate. But as long as he waves, I feel like they would they would definitely have to trade. He's not going to wave because like four years left. Four years left, they'd have to get rid of him. Uh, they better keep Mantha. Mantha's elite, and they give up so much for him. But even then, like four years, Oshie's at five point seven. That's not great, but it's not the worst. Like you're also Backstrom assuming he, worse. You're also assuming he's that good in three years' time, two years' time when he's thirty six, thirty seven. He's better now than he is than Backstrom is, and Backstrom makes he is not better million. than Backstrom. You know, yeah, I don't know. This no year, way. absolutely was. Uh-uh. Backstrom was garbage this year. No, dude, Backstrom was that year. No way. I will not take no the way. Backstrom disrespect. This is a Backstrom and Spezza channel, goddammit. <laughs> both of them. Yeah, I, I don't... Like, I, if the organization soured on him, then they might have to make a move, because I'm just looking just, at, ev- like, everything else. Of, they either they either yeah. have, a like, no trade clause, so, or they're just a depth guy. So Backstrom so was their number do. one point guy in the regular season. Oh, shit, yeah. 53 points in 55 games. <laughs> he, Dude, he had Connor just had, he just had my Spezza was their moment. third best one, though. Yeah. He, he was their second best forward. Second best to who? Yeah, oh no, I'm not. I'm not saying TJ Oshie's bad now. I'm just saying with that contract, would Seattle just willy nilly take him? I mean, a ten point difference. Uh, yes, that's not bad. But like Backstrom making four more million. I think that's way at the same I age. The points he's at the same in. age. 
He's getting older same term. now, I guess. But... Backstrom's also yeah, a seven. Yeah, I guess, I guess once you get maybe into the final two years, that gets kind of rough when he's getting into kind of later 30s and he's making 9.2. Yeah. Backstrom also has a full no, no movement clause. He's going nowhere. Yeah, but Oshi also has a, not, a modified Yeah, but one. it's modified. But he wants to go, according no, no, no. to Austin. He, he doesn't wants to, want go to go to Seattle. Everyone wants him to go. Oh, okay. He's the perfect. Yeah, he's from uh, he's from the Seattle he's area. A he's fit. a winger. He's good. He's a leader. He but he came out actually because a reporter asked him that, and he says, "I have no intention of leaving Washington." So I don't think he's going to waive his no movement clause. Yeah, he, I, he feel like, I feel like I feel like really most players say that because yeah. his kids are yeah. there, and you know, he's his whole family. Or, well, his family's moved there. He's thirty four years so. old. He doesn't want to leave. I feel like most players would have, would say the same thing though, unless they knew it was going to be them. Like kind of when it was Flurry, you knew it was either going to be Flurry or Matt Murray, and when they made that decision, he was just like, "Okay, I'm, I'm," you know, he walked out in Vegas, walked out with them. I know uh, Derek Englund did the same thing, superstar name there as well. Uh, but I guess with Oshi, when it's like it's not set in stone that it's you, yeah, you're gonna say you're you know you're always, and you've won a cup in Washington too. You're gonna say, oh yeah, I don't want to go. I think but. they try to move Kuznets off before the draft. So they can protect someone else because apparently they're really sour on Kuznetsov. I wonder why they soured on him so quickly. I mean, I always think back well. to the the Kaka, yeah, the video. <laughs> so there was a. I'm not sure if you guys saw, but like there was a video came out of him after the playoffs with like a bunch of illegal substances on the table. And <laughs> I he might came have, out. I might have said what it was earlier. Yeah, and he came out and he was like, I'm not, I didn't do it. I'll take a drug test right now. And he took a drug test and tested positive. So that was just like a big uh-oh in the media. And apparently this year he kept getting fined for COVID violations. Oh, really? And he just kept mm. going out, didn't care. So I think that could just be a huge like, part of it. And like, you could know, when I just think of production. that. Yeah, and his production slowed down. And when I, like, like James and I said, we always see Kuznetsov as like that eternally young guy. But the organization sees him what he is. He's a 29-year-old who's still in his party phase, and they don't want to deal with that anymore. Yeah, but wasn't no, Ovi totally also fair, very heavy really, into his... Yeah, maybe a little the only issue is Kuznetsov only cares about playing in the playoffs. He has a modified no-trade clause, and the only teams who are willing to go for him will be playoff teams. Or, and I mean, you know what? Rebuilding teams. Jason Spezza had one more point than he did this year. The trade is <laughs> I'm buying the one. Spencer jersey. I disrespected <laughs> this man so bad, and he had more, he had one more goal as well. So he really did fall off this year. Uh, Spencer did play ten more games ish, but I mean, still, when you're getting paid that much money compared to Jason Spence at the end of his career, that is shameful. Like I don't um, even know what team would make a move for Kuznetsov. Yeah, it is so weird, like, because Washington was always this team that was, like, good, you know, almost like kind of Colorado now, but not as good, but where we were like, oh, they might win, but when? When are they going to have that year? It almost seems like since they've had that year, they've just cashed out. They haven't done anything, dude. They don't care anymore. Like, I remember, we've. I think we brought this up on every podcast, but in the pool, uh, or sorry, when they were in the bubble last year, they didn't care. They were just there partying. Yeah, party rocking. They could have, you know, one. they they were still in there. They still could have made a push and won another one. But do you think they knows? trade uh, Tom Wilson after all the bad press? No, that's gonna be. Hard, I don't. I, no, I don't think so because Tom Wilson's amazing, and he's a he does but, provide a lot to. The, he provides at, at his at his age and his cap. Why would they move him? 
Mm-hmm. They, this organization has shown they do care about a lot about reputation, right? Like we literally just talked about Kuznetsov getting traded for off-ice stuff. Yeah, but that's a different. I, I could that's see Tom. Uh, yeah, that's that is different. Is different. I'm gonna say I'm gonna like I'm, I'm gonna say it's almost like a Ryan Kessler type player, like not as skillful, but like when that player's on your team or Brad Marchand, when when that player's on your team, you love that player. When they're not on your team, you hate that player. So like basically, all of us are like, oh, Tom Wilson, this dirty player who does all these bad plays where i bet washington fans love oh dude oh i would absolutely i would love it and i bet you if he was on one of my teams teams i know i'm terrible if he was on the coyotes i would i would like him you know i'm not a big dirty (laughs) player i like when it's more skilled but having a guy like that on your team you always like them when they're on your team what i would give to see buffalo trade for tom wilson it'd make my day i'd be so happy exactly and so i don't think washington would trade a guy like that and who would bring energy? We just talked about Toronto. Who would, when Tavares or Matthews doesn't motivate the team? Dude, Tom Wilson, 100%. You think uh, Tom Wilson? Third, the 30 other Tom dunes Wilson that they have on this team. Besides, Tom Wilson <laughs> also has a modified no movement clause, too. So if you wanted to trade him anyways, he's got all the power and control If there. there's any team that needs skill, it's it's Washington. They are literally the big hulking the games, team. Man. Tom Which is Wilson, so funny when you, look, like, when you look at that roster. Dad. Tom Wilson literally is their team. Like, I, okay, Vetchkin, sure, too, but like. Tom All these Wilson. John Carlson who. Who's, okay. But like, Tom Wilson. <laughs> who's Ovechkin? Never heard of him. Who's who? Never heard of him. Never heard of him. Some bum. Yeah, who's this Ovechkin guy? He plays for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Probably season. can't even score a goal. Okay, guys, to uh, wrap it up with a, a final couple topics here, we got you know the big question on the line here. What do you guys think? Who's going to win the Stanley Cup? There's four teams left. So, you know, after tonight, uh, of course, uh, Vegas beat Avalanche. So we have Vegas, uh, obviously the Canadians, uh, Tampa Bay, and New York Islanders. So who's it going to be and why? JJ. Uh, I'm going to, I think the final will be Vegas, uh, Tampa Bay, if, uh, if the seeding allows that to happen. Because don't they play like first plays last now? something goofy but anyway i think that'll be the final or if not one of those two teams but i think tampa will just squeeze out against vegas with just being a little bit better than them and win but i think it'll be a good series uh i just don't want vegas to win there's they're too young uh, i know tampa just won but i just can't let vegas win yet my heart's not ready so i'm gonna say tampa Austin. uh jj you don't have to worry about your young heart with Vegas because the Montreal Canadiens are going to bring the cup <laughs> home. We have said we two now, rounds and every round we go, okay, these guys suck. Yeah. And then they win. I it. did say that. Every I round, did say, I said the Jets. Team. I was like, oh, the Jets are going to sweep <laughs> Montreal. This isn't even close. Whoops. Like Corey Perry is going to lift the Stanley Cup and pass it to Shea Weber in a Montreal jersey. And it's going to feel so weird. And so Canada will long. have its first cup in our lifetime. And it's going to be beautiful. I think I think they can beat Vegas. We've seen Vegas struggle with defensive teams. Minnesota, last year, they lost to a defensive team in Dallas. Like, that's their weak point. You know, Colorado isn't that defensive team. They're that high-octane team, and Vegas can play that. So I think Montreal is going to beat them. And at that point, Montreal is on such a high, and Carey Price is in such a good form. I think they're going to take whoever it is, whether it be Tampa or the Islanders. If it's the Islanders, don't even bother watching. It's going to be a slugfest. 
But if it's Tampa Bay, I think they can beat them. An Islanders Montreal final. Well, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be Montreal <laughs> versus um, Vegas. Montreal versus Vegas, yeah, and then Tampa and uh, versus Islanders. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, uh, Connor, who you got? Ah, kind of wish I went before because I was thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> I, I like just there's no like I no matter what I do not want Vegas Golden Knights to go to a Stanley Cup final again. Uh, and I just think it'd be great if Montreal, the team with an eleven million dollar goalie, went to the final and beat the eighteen million dollar over Tampa Bay Lightning in five. I didn't even mention the cap. That would definitely help Tampa win. Like everything against Montreal, and I hope they win. Like that would just be nuts. The drive for twenty five is sure alive, baby. Jimbo, who you got? So yeah, like this is this is actually a really difficult one. Um, and and interestingly enough, three of the four teams in the final four are the same as last year. So uh, just dominance, you know, second two years in a row. But uh, I'm gonna go and do something interesting, and I'm gonna say. New York Islanders, I think, I think, as <laughs> the disrespect for Vegas, and actually. you know what, like, I, you know, if you watch how they play in their home building, like, it's actually insane, like, like, I don't know, there's so much energy that they're able to get from that, and I think, yeah, obviously, Tampa is going to be a really difficult matchup, but, um, I, as long as their goaltending stays solid, which it has been, like it's that, that was probably the biggest question mark for this team as well as maybe some of the offense. But um, I think New York Islanders win Stanley Cup, and then John Tavares just cries in his uh, in his Toronto bed sheets and uh, just has a really bad time about it. So the oh, New York Saints are going to win a Stanley Cup. My God, can you imagine Toronto media if that happens? <laughs> like they're going to execute their own player. I can already see the articles. Why this COVID year cup doesn't really count. Yeah. yeah. Toronto Sun. So speaking of Toronto, um, Austin, I hear there's a documentary out uh, that they've been Yeah, I just kind of want to know if you guys are going to watch it or not. The, uh, on Amazon Prime, it's going to be called All or Nothing Toronto Maple Leafs. And it, basically they follow the Leafs for the entire series uh, season with like hidden cameras, uh, remote controlled cameras, uh, hidden microphones, all these crazy stuff just to basically, you know, highlight their cup run. And I've been kind of following this because I heard about it before the season started. I thought like, oh, this is going to be kind of boring, you know, because Toronto got to first place and they kind of just sat there, you know, like nothing really that interesting happened for Toronto during the season. But I feel like this has become the show to watch. But you know what? That. Like I've, I, I'll just quickly make one point, JJ, and then you can you talk on yours. But I've watched like similar Amazon documentaries before, and even like the Netflix ones. And you know what? Even basically, what they do is they dramatize like literally absolutely everything, and they'll put clips and sound clips that aren't actually together just to make like emotion. So like they'll 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 make a boring season really yeah. interesting. I was gonna bring up. I watched the the Tottenham one, even though I'm an Arsenal fan. So that's like that would be like watching a Bruins one or a Toronto one as a Montreal fan, and it was still very entertaining. Or even the Sunderland till I die one. Just seeing the behind the scenes of those players and like what the coaches say and just that uh, like that other look in things is really interesting. So I hope I hope it's not just a one season show. I hope they keep doing it. It's always fun to rewatch the Sunderland ones and see like how excited they get and then their downfall at the end, kind of like Toronto this year. So I definitely think it'll be exciting. 
I, I my question was going to be, I hope they do uh, more than one season. So I hope hope they do more it's, than one, but I will definitely be watching. I, I mean, it's how many guys part of the same show as the Hotspurs one? And, and the All or Nothing is apparently it's a Amazon series. So then it's going to be really like, good. A bunch of football ones, the Hotspurs, Man City, and now they're doing Toronto. That would be good. But the only issue I find is if they're going to do the Maple Leafs, like how many years and how many seasons of a TV show can you have the exact same ending? Right? Like... <laughs> I wish that I wish they film. Yeah, I wish they were filming before. I mean, you say that Sunderland still hasn't been promoted, so it's every year it's the same thing. They lose at Wembley. I mean, yeah, Hotspurs Bill... still haven't won the Premier League. But it'll be another game seven for Toronto. Oh no, we we had a three one lead. Yeah, I mean they made a Tottenham one just for them to finish seventh every year. I mean, whoop de do. I just I think this one's so <laughs> interesting. Like... Because Toronto <laughs> did a docu series in two thousand and four and it went so bad because like there was a lot of drama and they've never mm. accepted doing it again. And then this year they did because they thought this was their year. So I doubt there'll be a lot of drama then just because like they were the Kings, like pretty much the entire year, like not the LA Kings, like they ran the show basically the entire year, but I can't wait to watch those episodes when they start losing against Montreal and they're kind of the having that thought. The final episodes are going to be key. Yeah. And, and I am interested to see how tense they look, like even when they're not at the arena, just walking around or anything. And that's, and I am, that'll be a great insight to how much the pressure gets to them. I think we're going to learn a lot of interesting things about the Toronto Maple Leafs from this. You know, even during this a season that we thought were pretty boring for them. And I wonder, is this going to force their hand? Is something going to come out that was so either loving of a guy on the team or damning that Toronto makes a move because of it? Like Marner, especially like because the show's not out yet, right? Yeah. Yeah, so the show, the show's not out yet. You know, they they might be able to see like, oh, everyone's turning on Marner, and as James was saying, they mess with the audio. And so I wonder if they make Marner look bad for more views. That's a bit conspiracy, but uh, who knows? I, I think if a damning moment's going to come out of it, it's going to be about Tavares, right? Like this is a dude who left the Islanders. Snake, if Islanders win the cup, there's definitely going to be some sort of like scene in about that. Flashback oh, to when absolutely. he signs. Flashback to his first game in Nassau uh, Stadium. Oh, yeah, yikes. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yikes. If Montreal wins the Cup, I feel like that takes a bit off the Leafs. I feel like that's what the Leafs want. As much as they lost to Montreal, if they win the Cup, then they can just go, oh, well, we lost to the Cup winner. We, we lost, lost to the, to the best, best team. team. Yeah, everyone underestimated them. Uh, to be fair, though, Montreal is the worst team to make the playoffs. 100%. By a mile. Weren't they last year also? Like, like this team really shouldn't be here, and they are, and they're just they're proving everyone wrong about them. They're going, we made it, we know the rules, and we're going to show you guys that we definitely deserve to be here, and they're definitely doing that. And they don't ask how they ask how many. They'll raise exactly. the question. I think hockey's already trended in that way where no one cares about the regular season anymore. Like it's only the playoffs that matter. And if, if oh, Montreal, that does matter. and if Montreal wins it. You know that's going to prove the point more, and so I guess we're going to have to ask ourselves: Is an 82 game season feasible when it doesn't matter? Oh, 100. percent I think so. You There's think so? Yeah. Uh, I think you'll. I think I like it. I have no problem with it. I think more of like a business side of it. Um, just recently, they haven't been selling games, 
But when people are back, they're going to be going to every game possible. So the NHL is definitely not going to lower 82 games when people are selling them out every time. You, you, you make your money in sports off of merchandise and people in the stands. Mm-hmm. The TV deals don't make much money. In Especially in the NHL. No. Yeah. So I think they um, keep it long. Yeah. Well. Arguably, what I see is not a restructure in the games like the amount of games, but a restructure in how teams get points. More of like an IIHF thing where a win is three points and an OT win is two. I think that, that way makes it gets more, sense. more of an onus on a good team that beats you in regulation. Because how many times won, how many OT losses? And- exactly. How many times do you see a team with like nine or ten plus OT losses make it over another team? And like yet, this yes, year, Calgary had more Those wins the than the Canadians, and the Canadians had like 12, 13, 14 OD losses. Exactly. They just they knew when to lose. Maybe and if Calgary got Jason Spezza, they'd be in the playoffs. Exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think, so I think that would make the game more there. exciting too, because then you see that a lot where like it's two teams, especially at the end of the year, who are both like pretty close on points to making it or are already in, but like not guaranteed. And you can see when it gets down to those last five, sometimes ten minutes, depending on the game, it just stops. Like well, I know Arizona, how... San Jose, that none of them wanted to play their last couple of games this year. Think about how how crazy it'd be if you had it where it was three points for a win, two for an OT win, one point for an OT loss, zero for a loss in general. You had zero points, and like a division rival got three on you. Mm-hmm. That's huge. That's a huge difference. Yeah. They might even uh, go the NBA route and add a play-in tournament for the playoffs just to generate that extra money. It's <laughs> for all those bad, bad teams that don't really deserve to be there. Yeah, I don't care like that. But, yeah, well, we'll the see. play-in tournament for the NBA is, like, think of the two wild cards in the NHL. It's those two and the two teams below them. They play in matchups to determine but then they, the But then they have playing experience. Like, remember uh, when Tampa lost and they were complaining that like other teams have been playing meaningful games and they hadn't. And then the regular uh, season becomes worth even less at that point. Yeah, exactly. It's been a huge hit in so. the NBA. Um, I know the players in the NBA hate it, but the fans exactly. love it. Exactly. The players would hate that for sure. Yeah. Like I know LeBron has been very outspoken about it, even though that's the only reason why he made the playoffs this year. But it's it's a huge money generator. That was a big needle in the arm for the NBA that was looking a little weak this year because of COVID. So I think it's something the NHL might consider. And I think that's a great place for us to end the podcast. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening, guys. See you next yeah, week. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.